Previously, on the Starfleet Escape podcast. I'm thinking my opinion of this episode will change, watching it back-to-back with the second part. Yes. Maybe it's a fuller story, and I'll appreciate it more. I actually wish they released both episodes together. I wish they did as well. I think that would have made me appreciate this a lot more. <laughs> that didn't make Rock it Monster? <laughs> I think objectively anything is better than Star Trek V, let's be real. Well, we'll see. Oh, no! <laughs> I, I want to say I would not trust those evacuation walkways. <laughs> My God. Oh, yeah. I'm, I have some books. The dude also has incredible abs if you check out <laughs> his Instagram. My God. I don't want a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> I think... <laughs> I think you're you're gonna get one anyway. Uh, yeah. Every four computers now have primary control of critical vehicle functions. Transmission coming in from the Starfleet Escape Podcast. Welcome to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four Eyed Radio Network, where we escape into the Star Trek universe. This is episode 99, part two, and is being recorded on April 20th, 2019. Today's topic, Spectral Scan Discovery, season two, episode 14. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. This podcast contains spoilers for Discovery, season two, episode 14, Such Sweet Sorrow, part two. I'm Eric Berry. And I'm Aaron Gallo. This episode is sponsored by Revenge Lover Designs and Illustration. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Hey. Hey, sir. Good morning. Uh, it's good morning on uh, Saturday morning, 420 Blaze It. No, don't. Oh my <laughs> don't, gosh. No. <laughs> no, no one do that. But I, I don't judge if you do. I think the writers took some of that stuff. <laughs> some mushrooms, maybe. <laughs> some magic mushrooms, for sure. This was a definite finale. <laughs> it was something. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll talk about the good and the bad and all in between in a bit. Indeed. But we've got some more news, some exciting news. Yes, something from the upcoming Picard series. Which we still don't know a name for it. Don't know a name, but I'm definitely excited for it, especially after this finale. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there is new casting for Patrick Stewart's Jean-Luc Picard series. And we've gotten some casting announcements previously over the past couple months, but we have some new people here. We got Allison Pill, Harry Treadaway, and Issa Barones. And the ladies look familiar, but I don't know exactly what they've been in. Right. But apparently from everything that I've heard on the internet, this is some really good group of actors. And you know what's interesting? There's a lot of young actors in this casting, and I'm wondering if he's somehow teaching at the Academy. Maybe. That'd be an interesting premise, like he takes <laughs> takes the class out for a trip. Or, these are people 
where like he's remembering his whole life. Oh. And these might be people that are younger versions of people in his life or something. Oh, like he's dying? Oh my god. God, no, I no, I don't want that. No, like he's just he's reminiscing about his life. Maybe he's writing his memoir. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe it becomes Picard, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> like he's just sitting there sipping his Earl Grey. Oh yes. Sit around, children. Listen to some stories. I would pay for to watch that. <laughs> I just want more Picard, and and I will be paying for it because I'm subscribed to CBS All Access. Yeah, likewise. An interesting idea for sure. What do you think it could be? Oh, I have no idea what it could be. <laughs> I was really hoping for something, some political type thing with the Remans. What if this is? It, what if it is? It could be. Maybe these are a bunch of Remans. I have no uh, idea. Freaking Remans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll just bury these actors in a ton of makeup. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, some kind of Reman Romulan thing since, you know, post Romulus destruction, which I would assume would have taken out Remus as well. Oh, I had to. It's a moon. Yeah. That whole system's gone. Right. Just a bunch of refugees. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan Frakes is slated to direct two episodes. Mm. Maybe he should just reprise his role as, <laughs> as, <laughs> as, as Riker. Captain yes, Riker. Captain Riker. Yeah. Come on. Do it, Jonathan Frakes. You're di- direct yourself. Be in your own episode. Yeah, I mean. You've done it before. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I just. Uh, it, to me, that's like a no-brainer. It's like, okay, you're directing the episode. Just, just put on the uniform. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he doesn't. He doesn't have to change his appearances all at all. He can just be himself. Right. He's still got the nice full beard. He's still got a Riker beard. Yeah. I'm just very excited for this Picard series. I am too. I love Picard, and I think it will be good. I hope. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it got Patrick Stewart to reprise the role, it has to be good. You would hope. I would hope. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of mixed on Alex Kurtzman right now. (laughs) Yeah, no, I feel you. I feel you there. Especially after uh, some comments he made about canon. Yeah. Well, let me talk about that a little bit, because it'll kind of inform my review later on. So his quote that stuck with me and kind of irked me was about Discovery going 950 years into the future. He said, it's fun to explore the nooks and crannies of the universe that people haven't fully explored yet. That being said, we felt strongly that we wanted to give ourselves an entirely new energy for season three with a whole new set of problems. We're farther than any Trek show has ever gone, like timeline wise. Right. That's the same thought process that went into jumping 950 years into the future. We're now completely free of canon. We have a whole new universe to explore. And this is what the Trek Corps article says. As for the rest of this known Starfleet history, the Kirk and Picard errors aren't going anywhere. After all, there's a whole new series about to start shooting based in the late 24th century. But Discovery will now be so far beyond known Trek events that we shouldn't expect any character crossover next year, cautioned Kurtzman. Quote, there will be canonical references to everything that's happened in the various shows, we're not erasing that, but we're so far past that point, all of that is a very distant memory. We're very excited to see how you put the elements of Star Trek in an entirely new universe. And the whole, we're completely free of canon now, 
really freaking irks me. Yeah. It's like, if that's the case, why did you make a whole freaking prequel series <laughs> that takes place 10 years before Kirk? Right. I know that was a decision based on, on Brian Fuller, but it seems like the whole second season has been a major course correction to realign back with Canon. Mm-hmm. And I know there are some people that are like, well, screw Canon, but you know what? No, because this is over 50 year history of stories. And yes, there are times when shows contradict themselves, but for the most part, the Canon and what events happen are very firmly established and writers of like deep space nine and voyager and enterprise and and even discovery they've all respected canon and incorporated elements and shown us different things like i love that we went to boreth this season i love that we got to see more of that and that's kind of like a deep cut in star trek Mm -hmm. but i know that okay we're going 950 years into the future yeah if you look at memory alpha on the timeline if you look up 32nd or 33rd centuries there's not a lot like daniels is in the 29th or 30th century i believe but still they're even going beyond that so to me it just screams like uh we we don't want to figure out all these problems with canon let's just uh, let's just go into the future and just avoid all of that and yes People have wanted to go into the future of of Star Trek, but there's not a lot of things we've seen in the 25th century or the 26th. Right. Yes, there's mentions of stuff and temporal Cold War thing, but they're skipping even all of that. They just wanted to say, screw it. We just don't want to deal with those canon problems anymore, and we'll just go into the future. Mm-hmm. So what is this season going to be, this next season going to be? Is it going to be... Oh, no, we found an old Starfleet ship. Oh, look at these records. Oh, I don't know what's happening. Like, even if, you know, the whole Calypso thing happens, which I'll talk about that later, mm-hmm. there's no Federation anymore. At least that that's what they were hinting at. Right. And, you know, we had time ships from the 29th century. So what happens in that 200 years? Mm-hmm. And Daniel said in Enterprise that, that time travel is so common that... Every classroom has a phase discriminator at their desk, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. So if time travel is so ubiquitous where they're going, then why can't they just get back? Like, I don't understand. Right. So I I, I don't know. It it just feels like a slap in the face to 50 years of storytelling and creating this big universe. Sure, they're truly going where no man has gone before, no writer, no director, no show creator for Star Trek. And I get it that it opens up all these possibilities. Then don't give me a big bad for next season. Mm. Don't don't give me any of that. Truly do an exploration show where you can keep the character arcs going throughout the season but I want a new adventure every week exploring this vastly different time period that we've never seen in Star Trek. Don't give me like, oh, we got to save the galaxy again. I'm tired of that. And I'm tired of big bads. If you're truly going to explore the weird and wild of the 30, I don't even, I can't even remember what century they're going to now. 
like 31st, 32nd, whatever the hell, 30th, whatever century, Mm -hmm. then surprise me and surprise the audience. I don't want some big, bad, we got to save the universe storyline. We've done it two times already. That's my little rant. Yeah. I don't mind going into the future. I just don't like how it happened. Yeah, we'll get into that later on as well. Okay. So why don't we jump into my favorite segment of the show? Would you buy it? I, n- no, I, I don't know what this <laughs> is. <laughs> I don't. Uh, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> I just, I, I don't, I don't want it. Yeah, I don't believe I would buy this as well. It's like $100 I could easily spend on something that I'm not going to play with once and be done with it. <laughs> right. For real, though. <laughs> yeah, no, I I feel you. This is the Star Trek Beam Me Up Atmos FX Digital Decorations. So here's the tag here. Explore the final frontier with your favorite characters, quotes, and sound effects from the Star Trek universe. The Star Trek Beam Me Up Digital decoration collection consists of seven decorations covering every major series as well as one feature film in addition each decoration allows you to create the illusion that you are being transported no thanks <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh prices uh, there's a couple different bundles here i'm just going to go over it really quick prices if you already have the projector that's needed for this individual sets cost $9.99 and include TOS, The Wrath of Khan, TNG, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, and Discovery. A bundle of all seven sets cost $39.99. Now, if you don't have the projector already, these projectors are used for displaying different decorations for various times of year and whatnot, different holidays. <laughs> so I, I just watched their video. It is the most dorkiest (laughs) like everyone's at a party and uh, like laurel beams into the doorway and the one guy's got a phaser and then they're they're showing like you can display it in a window like you can put it in front of a window so you can show the world how much of a freaking dork you are (laughs) (laughs) it's just and it's like, ooh, you can beam yourself too. Yeah, you have to stand in front of a screen that it can project on. And then, uh, I don't know, this is just so stupid. <laughs> I'm glad they're not a sponsor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, if you don't have the projector, they have an Ensign bundle that costs $139.98. No, thank you. It includes this Beam Me Up decoration collection. The projector, 14 seasonal digital decorations, and a window projection material. But for $100 more, you get the HD projector Mm -hmm. and two more seasonal digital decorations. Right. No thanks. The captain's bundle. Yeah, it's a hard pass for me as well. Yeah, three Christmas, nine Halloween, and four seasonal decorations. So what? It's like, do these characters have like a the hat on them or something? <laughs> like, what? oh no! So those other decorations are like you know snowmen and Christmas trees and stuff like oh, that. Oh, oh, I see. Included decorations. So these aren't even Star Trek. No. So the seasonal decorations are separate from the. Beam me up digital collection. Oh, 
Okay. Yeah, they're not like Captain Kirk <sighs> with a Christmas hat on. <laughs> oh, the original series. Well, they have all the crews. Yeah. Oh, they got they got Enterprise. Yep. Voyager. They're all here. Yep. The Wrath of <laughs> and the Wrath of Khan. Let so. me, I'm going to look at the Enterprise video. Tell us what you think. It's Enterprise crew scene, three variations of the Beamer self effect, and window illusions. And they've got TV mode, which opens with a, holo- a next generation holodeck door that reveals the Enterprise transporter pad. Archer beams in. What? Wait, what does that say? It says, does not appear on the purchase. Down- oh, watermark. It says watermark. Yeah, they've got a big watermark on here. And uh. it's like, ooh, no, no one steal these pre-clipped image- press images of the crew. Right. God. All right, never mind. It's just you get a bunch of cutouts that, I don't know, I, I see no practical purpose in this. Oh, no, there isn't any. <laughs> but if you have this projector already for... You can just download the individual packs. Yeah, so. If you already have the projector for your holiday projections, I would say get it. Otherwise, I wouldn't bother. Yeah, but for me to jump in cold and buy the projector and this, it's a pass. Like, I'm not going to show this outside, like, through my window. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, those berries are crazy. (laughs) Oh, those crazy berries. Although now I kind of want to Photoshop a Santa hat on Kirk. (laughs) 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 Nah, it's, it's a pass. Yeah. All right. Episode summary. Yes. (laughs) The USS Discovery battles against control in a fight not only for their lives, but for the future. With a little help from some unexpected friends. I read that and I was like, (laughs) who? (laughs) Spock and Burnham discern vital new connections between the red signals while Burnham faces one of life's harshest truths. The right decisions are often the hardest to make. Indeed. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, okay, what did you like about this episode? Yeah, so we probably have the best space battle scenes we've ever had in Star Trek, I believe. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, this was crazy. The amount of effects budget that, I mean, props to the show effects artists. Yeah. Because this was amazing yeah the episode was beautiful overall mm-hmm. i just had one issue with cgi and that, okay. that was burnham's helmet going on her head other than that everything was great oh okay one of my favorite shots is when she's you know she's got the cocoon of ships around her mm-hmm. and she skims like feet away from the enterprise's hall yeah that was so freaking cool yeah it was amazing how they sh- it was like they were swimming through yeah. space it was beautifully shot i i liked that a lot super well done and all the close-ups on the ship mm-hmm. were amazing like There's this one shot where the Enterprise starts firing her phaser beams Mm -hmm. and you see the freaking phaser nubs that were in like the motion picture in, in, uh, you you know what I'm talking about? The little, the two little phaser port nub things. Yeah. The emitters. Yeah. Yeah. The emitters. And I was like, oh my God, it was so great. And it was solid blue phaser beams and it had the same sound effects as the original series. Mm-hmm. It was it was great to see the Enterprise in battle. It kicked ass. Yeah. 
Most definitely. And as it should for a flagship of, of the Federation. Right. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. We could go on and on about the various shots because there was just great imagery. My God. When they were like, oh, no, there's this huge energy signal. And one of the control ships blows up and it's the freaking cleave ship. I was like, oh, my God, it's a cleave ship. Yeah. I was just so excited to see that thing again. Yeah, it was very, very cool. It was definitely not what I was expecting to happen. And I like that it kind of wrapped a bow on the whole series so far. Because mm-hmm. there was a lot of callbacks to the first episode of Discovery. Right. That was great. And one of the things I really loved was the time travel effect at the end very reminiscent of the motion picture. <laughs> when the discovery was going through? <laughs> yes. It kind of reminded me of the, uh, oh, wow, when they were on the Bird of Prey uh, going through time, the voyage home. Well, well, both instances. Yeah. But particularly for me, the, the motion picture. And another kind of motion picture callback, when Burnham first started going through the wormhole or whatever Mm -hmm. uh when she first made her time jump that like the close-up shots of her helmet it felt very much like when spock was going through v'ger oh yeah yeah so a a lot of cool callbacks like that another shout out to the the visual effects people when the Enterprise was in dry dock mm-hmm. at the end, yeah. it matched, for the most part, like the motion picture space dock kind of mixed with Enterprise because mm-hmm. there was still, they still had those big hexagon lights like in the motion picture that are shining on, on the Enterprise. So I was like, wow, that's some really great detail. Yeah. In dry dock was very great especially after we have the enterprise hull like blown in half in the episode oh that was so ridiculous (laughs) i'm so (laughs) i'm saving that for my dislike because that is one strong blast door jesus no kidding right i think i have that my dislike too somewhere uh but anyway more more good things more good things i'm glad we finally got this moment between hugh and paul yeah. You shouldn't have been working on him just because of their relationship together. It's like, oh, sure, sure. It's like current day medical practices. You don't work right. on loved ones. But I wanted more of this throughout the season. I felt like... Oh, the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The buildup of this relationship, I've there should have been more moments between Hugh and Paul. Absolutely agreed. We got little bits of and pieces of it and... Again, that's one of uh, Discovery's main problems is they rush through all this stuff and they put way too much focus on things that maybe they shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just like he had this sudden change of heart when earlier this season, like just a couple months ago in the show's timeline, he was very much like, no, I need to find out who I am. Blah, blah. And you know, he seemed very determined and I thought that was a bold choice, but now, oh no, he's hurt and I love you, but I did cry. So there was a, it's, it's a great moment. It's, it's fantastic. Supremely well acted. I just wish we had more. I I wish we had more of that journey. I mean, I still cried, so it still affected me. So I guess they did their job, Right. but 
I, I would have loved to see a little bit more of, of Hugh's struggle. Right. What I would align this to is like skipping a stone over water. We're mm-hmm. getting the moments where the stone is touching the water and not the journey of the stone. You know what I mean? Wow. That is that is just a great analogy for discovery yeah. as a whole. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I completely agree. Moving on, we have more the bridge of the Enterprise. Uh, I can't get enough of this set. It's so breathtaking, and I want so more. So good. It's so good. I love it. I, I just, the construction of it, even the pyrotechnics this episode, there was one moment where the main console with con and navigation mm-hmm. Like you can see this like string of of explosive effects underneath the console. I'm like, that is so cool. <laughs> yeah, no, that was cool. There was that explosion in the back that even forced the chair to move. Yeah, that was cool. But then I'm thinking to myself, man, they need to like bolt these chairs down. <laughs> <laughs> Great set pieces as always. Yeah, yeah, the Enterprise superb i want more of her uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> me too she has uh, ample nacelles indeed next up on my likes the foreshadowing burnham gives to the the reason why spock gravitates to kirk yes i love that i was like okay that's why he's pals with kirk even though they're completely opposite yeah she she said to reach for the person that's you know, most distant from you. Yeah. And they became lifelong friends. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. And we probably won't see the first meeting between Kirk and Spock in the prime timeline anyway. We probably won't. Next up, the acting, specifically the looks of amazement in Burnham when she's using the suit. And then the looks of sorrow in Tyler and Spock for losing Burnham. Yeah, overall, I can't say it enough. Star Trek Discovery has some of the finest actors for Star Trek. It's one hell of an acted show. It's just incredible every week, the emotions that Sonequa Martin-Green brings to the table for Michael Burnham. Mm -hmm. This season especially, this must have been such an emotional ringer. And as an actress, I don't know how she does it to pull these emotions and essentially do these like crying. And I just, wow. She's just, I think she's such a phenomenal actress and just a, a powerhouse of, of emotion and Ethan Peck, like her and Ethan Peck playing off of each other and, and acting off of each other was truly the highlight of this season for me. Mm, yeah, I would agree. And it just, it made their connection so believable, especially the little brother and sister moments of frustration. Yeah. And that's why her speech, like her final advice to Spock, I think worked so well is because they did a really great job of showing that throughout this season and it was a real payoff yeah no doubt speaking of spock i appreciated the starfleet debriefing like the entire scene and you have a specific moment in the debriefing that you have on your likes so this is again this is them referencing canon which 
I hope they don't forget about when they're 950 years in the future. But Spock cites Regulation 157, Section 3, which was first used in Deep Space Nine, Trials and Tribulations. So he mentions to suppress all mention of the Spore Drive and Michael Burnham from Starfleet Records. And the regulation states that Starfleet officers are required to take all necessary precautions to minimize any participation in historical events. And I think it's a great way to to know that time travel is kind of already in the books for Starfleet. Like mm. they know that it's a possibility because I mean, it's even happened in enterprise. So right. they know that time travel exists. And if a Starfleet officer is somehow involved in that type of situation, that there's something on the book saying, look, try to minimize your involvement as much as possible because there could be some very big consequences. And I thought it was a good scene in that, yes, it does that whole, oh, so this is the reason we never hear about the spore driving ball. And it kind of like ticks off all those check marks. Right. But for me, that means that if if season three is the last for Discovery, because they said it, it it's not going to be like a seven-year show like Next Generation. Yeah. So... I'm not saying it is, but if season three is the last for Discovery, then I don't think the season is going to be about them getting home, mm. at least not with the Discovery in tow. Right. But even then, we still see no mention of Burnham and Discovery and the Spore Drive in the rest of, you know, quote unquote, Star Trek canon. Mm -hmm. And Spock goes on to never mention her. Right. So I think they're going to be staying in the future. Possibly. I have some issue with that. Mm -hmm. Are you done with your likes or is there anything else? you? No, I, I, I had a couple more likes. I just liked that they took the time and recognized that they had more story to tell with the payoffs and pushed for this episode to be a two-parter mm -hmm. because I think, I think it could have been tighter overall in some instances, or the focus changed a bit in, in some instances. Like I think they could have tied up some of the goodbye stuff Yeah, because the problem with how they stretched it out is the first part of this had such a focus on this countdown mm -hmm. and it just seemed okay we've got this countdown they're here but did they just stare at each other for 20 or 30 minutes like <laughs> right. that that didn't make a lot of sense to me and again it's star trek and we i've said it before on this podcast and that's one of discovery's biggest problems are these like time inconsistencies where things just kind of skip around or there's this sense of urgency and someone goes off to do something and then they come back and it's done already. Mm. How far is, is Quonos from Zahia? Yeah. I, I, so what Tyler just beamed aboard enterprise, hopped a shuttle, got the hell out of there. And 20 minutes later, he arrives at the Calvary. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I agree. And we only saw the D7. We saw one. Like, I could have accepted that as, oh, man, that's the prototype. 
But here we are. I guess it's full production run because we saw five of them. Right. Yeah, and that's something we brought up before that was one of my dislikes. <sighs> why why couldn't we see more of the Klingon ships that they already made mm. at the Battle of the Binary Stars? Where's that fleet? Yeah. Like, the whole fleet doesn't need to be these new vessels. There could be a mix of old and new. But I'm, I'm here to talk about my likes. Right. Aaron. I know. We've drifted. Oh. <laughs> uh, but no, I just, I loved all the character interactions. I, I love the set pieces. I really love the time travel effects. Mm-hmm. That was something that I think we've never seen in Star Trek before. It felt very much like Interstellar, that movie. Yeah. And it was very cinematic. I love the time travel effect, but I'll get into why I also <laughs> didn't like it. Okay. But no, like overall, it was... An episode that had me literally on the edge of my seat. There were several moments where I was like, oh my God. And I mean, Teresa was watching it with me and it's, it's a beautiful show. It's, it's an emotional show. It gets you in the moment, but then you take a step back and think about some things and you're like, why did they, why did they do that? Yeah. So I like this episode, but I also didn't like it because well, let's just get into it. Let's get into the dislikes, because the list for us is huge, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I was really trying not to have a big dislike list. It just happened. First off, we have Giorgio saying that they have 200 ships, so that's... Bu- ridiculous. That's like 200 auxiliary craft between Enterprise and Discovery. Completely ridiculous. They don't have the manpower to staff... All these... <laughs> that's that's literally half the crew of Enterprise. Well, during Pike's time, it's only like 200 people on the Enterprise. No, no, no. But Discovery, when they did the opening of this season, mm. they stated the crew compliment. It was like 403 or something. Oh. Well, that's wrong. <laughs> no, it's not wrong. I thought I, the Enterprise did have a compliment of like 400 people. No, yeah, during... Kirk's time. It, Where did they ever state that the crew compliment for Pike's time? I remember hearing it probably in the cage. <laughs> well, maybe that's wrong cuz <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I'm if I'm just going by my memory, it's impossible to staff all these all these ships. And I get some of them could be drones, but yeah, there's it, it made it seem like a lot of these fighters were also from Discovery, but that's still people dying, right? exploding, and so you're whittling away your crew, but the 200 ships thing was just ridiculous. Yeah, because they had a bunch of ships out already, and then we see them swing by the shuttle bays, and even more are pouring out. They're just pouring out, and just from a scale-wise, it's like... Where the hell are they coming from? Yeah. Like, they would have to be, like, replicating them as they're coming out. <laughs> like, it's impossible. Yeah, and you see the far away shot, and there's, like, this cloud. There's li- there's enough of them to literally have a cloud around Discovery and Enterprise. And even if you concentrated that, and they were all, like, bunched up together, there's no way. There's no way they would fit in those shuttle bays. Yeah ridiculous you could have cut that number in half and maybe that would have been a little bit more believable 
because that's like 50 ships per ship. Even then, that's stretching it. Yeah. This was ridiculous. Yeah. Crazy. <sighs> Next thing is kind of a big one. Weren't the Sphere AI warp discovery out of there to protect itself from being destroyed? I don't know. They played so fast and loose with not only the Sphere AI, but also Control's AI. Yeah. Control had no motivation this season aside from kill all humans, and it wasn't an interesting villain at all. No, I agree with you. It just seems very odd that the AI for the sphere would do all this stuff, would protect itself from being destroyed from the Enterprise, yet it's okay with just sitting there potentially being destroyed. I, I don't get it. Anywho. Well, my problem with the sphere AI is unlike Control, who manifests itself in some way. Yeah. The sphere data isn't doing that. Like the only way we found out about that was through dialogue when, oh, it's locking itself. It's encrypting itself. Mm -hmm. And I would have loved to seen maybe the evolution of the sphere AI, maybe to, you know, that Zora or whatever the heck it's called right. in Calypso. Yeah. I agree with you there too. They could have at least planted the seeds for that. Because we still don't know about Calypso, and here's one of my theories. Mm -hmm. So in Calypso, it said that, oh, it's been a thousand years since I was abandoned. Well, if they went in the future and they're still using the ship, does that mean it's another thousand years in the future, Calypso? Mm. So Calypso takes place not in the 33rd like we thought, but maybe the 43rd century, mm. which is even farther distant. And right. so I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Time is very weird. They play fast and loose with the time on this show. Yeah. Like, they, they do a lot of countdowns to make it dramatic, and then there's, like, these long stretches of, like, how could they have possibly done that in that short amount of time? Yeah. No, I agree. And the next thing with time, why did it take so long to get Paul to sickbay? I don't know. It took forever to get him up there. That was... It, you mean how they cut... The scenes? How they cut the scene? Yeah, like, it seemed like an awful lot of stuff happened before... Before he got to sickbay. Before he got to sickbay, yeah. But, you know, he'll be fine, so <laughs> they're not going to kill him off. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Why was Tyler the only one smart enough to grab a shuttle and ask for help? Like I said in one of our earlier episodes, they could have did... Like, they could have taken maybe... 10 of those 200 craft right. and just said, Hey, you guys go to the Vulcans. You guys head back to earth. You guys maybe go to the Klingons. They could have sent 10 shuttles out in different directions mm -hmm. and said, all right, bring home the Calvary. Yeah. But they didn't do that because they had to say that for Burnham. Yeah. It's interesting. Sahia, I guess doesn't have any defense ships that's why pike said that they needed to take the battle farther out from the planet mm. like they said hey let's put some distance between us and, and the planet i think it still takes place in the zahia system yeah but it's it's farther away from from the planet mm. but no i i agree with you yeah but no he went to the klingons which that is a whole nother thing i'm going to get into <laughs> Next up is a very small nitpick. Yum, yum. <laughs> yum, yum. <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed out of place 
for Nan to say, <laughs> yum, yum. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, mm, I don't know. Just weird to me. It was, it was a little odd, but I, I didn't mind it as much as you did. Yeah, I don't know. Next up is <laughs> the DOT7 oh, repair. Don't terms. even. Uh, so dumb. Yeah, cool, cool concept, bro. But why didn't we see them in the future? It's so stupid. You guys already have warp bees. It is a cool concept, but not for right now. That that scene was so out of place and dumb. Mm -hmm. And it opens up this larger question. Why didn't one of those stupid things just go to the big open hole? And it's got arms. You pull the freaking blast door. Why did Cornwall have to die? Yeah. I agree. The, Another, And I know that's one of your points, yeah. but there are many ways where she did not have to die. And I saw the interview with Michelle Paradise and whatever on Trek Core, and they're like, oh, well, they needed a big sacrifice to really make it feel like, you know, the stakes are high. But when they introduced the Dot 7 repair drone, which they didn't, that was the only time you saw them. Mm-hmm. It just... It literally adds another question to why couldn't those things have helped out? Why couldn't those things have cut away a piece of the the section that it was in and sent this stupid torpedo into space? Right. That scene asks way more questions than it answered. And it's just another thing that, well, Admiral Cornwall didn't have to die. Yeah. Also, one of these 200 ships have tractor beams uh, they could have flew over and tractored the torpedo out yeah so going on to my dislike about her dying transporters exist she could have pulled it they could have transported her out she could have done a duck and roll under the door as yep, it closed there was a, enough time for that yeah <laughs> so there were so many things to save this character she did not have to die and that scene was so dumb because he stands there looking at her when the blast door goes down and like this amazing blast goes off, which sends a freaking shockwave. Like you see it on discovery, huge flash of light mm-hmm. and this shockwave. But when Pike is standing in this like window door, it's, it's like he just squinted his eyes a bit and went, Oh, uh, so dumb. Yeah. Because the elevator is like right there. You're at ground zero for this explosion. What should have happened is she closed the blast door. His turbo lift shoots up to get the hell out of Dodge. Mm-hmm. Right. And when he's in the turbo lift, maybe it like shudders a bit after the explosion goes off. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, f-. but to stand there and watch him. Die, and she just accepts it. She just stands there and like, oh, here I go. But okay, don't tell me that the explosion pushed all outward. Explosions aren't like that. Right, right. It's it's like a spherical wave. And so that amount of energy, and when the Enterprise flies by, half the saucer is gone. But, wow, that that blast door was must have been made out of, like, neutronium or something. Like, my God. It was just bad. Didn't make any sense at all. At all. I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. <sighs> Next. <laughs> uh, phasers have a vaporized setting. That's been established, right? Yeah, I mean, they have kill, but they also have, like, that extreme setting. Yeah, we've seen in the original series them vaporize yep. stuff, right? Section. 
<laughs> if if they don't, Section Thirty One does, and Giorgio has a Section Thirty One phaser. Yep, they could have easily taken Leland out by firing probably <laughs> at him with a vaporized phaser. Right? That that's something that could happen. Or once Leland is aboard, yeah. they just magnetize the entire ship. Yep, could have done that. Yep, Spock says in the episode he had to figure out the right wavelength to magnetize or some gobbledygook right right and he did and he did and just the probes get magnetized to the floor they know the setting they could have just done it yep as as soon as he showed up magnetize that bridge we're done we don't have to go into the future and even then she says control has been neutralized and Saru's like, cool, we're still going in. We, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I guess to ensure that no version of control stays behind, but they even said, oh, we purged everything about control. It's gone. Yeah. It just felt that was, that was weak. But no, I didn't like this whole cat and mouse running through the corridors. And again, it negates something that happened. We seen earlier in the show where he moves so quickly. Right. They move so fast. Right. And he's just like calmly walking. Give me the sphere data. I need, where is it? Blah, blah, blah. And I didn't get that. Was that all just in her hand? Why? Again, why did the data allow itself to be transported into that little device again? Oh, no. So it wasn't in that device. It wasn't? No, she used that device to move it to the Spore Drive console. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. But still, I mean, it, I guess it makes sense because Giorgio said to Saru, just invite him onto the ship mm-hmm. because she already had that plan right. to take him to the Spore Drive chamber, which I, I know we said you, you can magnetize the whole ship, but... At least the spore drive container is already sealed, a sealed yeah. environment. Yeah. So I guess it was not just magnetize them to the floor, but also contain it. Mm. Because they had to put a force field around it on the other ship. Yeah. So I think it was a good plan of hers, but why not just tell people what your plan is? Yeah. Let them help you. Or maybe transport him into the chamber and do it yeah why couldn't they have locked onto him again it's like they forgot that intraship beaming exists they forget a lot of things exist sure you could say oh it's in a battle they're taking power away from other systems blah 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 but in a medical emergency especially with a high level ranking officer like stamets mm-hmm. freaking just transport him to sick bay yeah dude had like a metal thing in his chest it was all gurgly and blah, 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 blah. right like get he's dying <laughs> yeah so another thing with these nanites and fighting with leland and Giorgio. if he wanted to get the information from Giorgio. Couldn't he just have put some nanites in her to figure out where it is? Yep. Because, I mean, he has his hands on her. And he could have just sent out some nanites because we saw Gant do it. Oh, hey, we got to get that uh, required uh, Michelle Yeoh fight (laughs) sequence in. I suppose. Uh, Another thing. So we have this suit, right? Which is an exact duplicate. Oh, 
don't even get me started about the suit. Why were they constructing it in that last five minutes? <laughs> I thought they were working on this the whole time. Yeah, no, I did as well. God, the more I think about this, the more I'm, like, pissed off. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate. I may have to lower my writing. <laughs> it's the same suit, technically, with probably the same amount of data storage. Why not just put the data in the suit and just send Burnham into the future? Sure. <laughs> right? <laughs> then Discovery and her crew don't have to go. And it's all all set. Yep. It seems like a lot of our unanswered questions are also dislikes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was that my unanswered question. <laughs> I, uh, I was probably like, man, this. I, yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we already talked about the blowing up turbo lift stuff. Oh, Next. God. Oh yeah, we got another great shot of that infinite corridor. Yeah, and it it rained down. So the only the only way I can justify that is there's that shot in the premiere of this season where they're walking through the corridor and there's that glass roof and you look up and you see all that gobbledygook. Mm. The only way I can place that in the ship is a vertical column that's in the neck of Discovery. Okay. So, because that's the sense I got, because we got that shot of, you know, those turbo lifts going around and somehow these little freaking worker bees inside the neck of the ship. Yeah. Ugh, I get a headache. And we see, you know, part of it explode and fall down and crash through that open window. And I think that's the same corridor that we saw them walking in and they briefly look up and you see all that stuff. The only way that can happen is if it's in the neck of discovery mm. and they're at like maybe the bottom level of discovery and we're zooming from the top. That's the only way physically that you can place that in the ship and make it work. Yeah. But again, then that makes the neck of discovery like super hollow. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Right? Or, or doesn't feel structurally sound. Right. I, I don't know, man. It looks cool though, I guess. Right. Uh, sure. That's <laughs> I... as, as long as it looks cool, they'll, they'll never think about it. Yeah. I'm going to lower my rating right now. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> so next up on my dislikes, it's a very minor thing. We have solar panels on the golden gate bridge. I thought that was cool at first until I remembered that there was that shot in the motion picture, which Trek core showed all the scenes of the golden gate bridge. And there's like a rail system, like a maglev that replaces it. So, but yeah, it's like, why are these like 200 year old solar panels there? Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't hate it. But it's not an image we've seen in, in Star Trek before, so I don't understand why they incorporated it in. Right. doesn't make sense. So, another thing, I liked the debrief scene for the, the most part, but if Starfleet accepts Spock's recommendation, how can they truly keep Discovery a secret with this role in the Klingon War? See, I don't think... I don't think they did because she gave that whole address to 
a lot of people at the end of season one. Yeah. And so I don't think you can say they never existed. I think that it's just like no one can know that they went into the future kind of a thing. Oh, uh, interesting. Well, they they also talk about the spore drive, how we can't talk about the spore drive again, which didn't make sense. I don't understand why Spock <sighs> even mentioned that, only to tie up canonical reasons why right. it's never been mentioned before. You didn't need to mention that part. Well, maybe the spore drive was still top secret yeah. in Starfleet, and... I don't think you wanted the rest of Starfleet to have that information in case they got captured by the Klingons. Because yeah. remember, Discovery was like their ace in the hole kind of true. a thing. Yeah, I just true. think that there could not be any more research into it. Yeah. And and plus, it was all Stamets' research, and he's gone. Right. It, it was his modifications to his body. They can't use the tardigrades anymore because that's animal cruelty. Right. And so I think there was a lot of, like, build-up. Like, I don't think they were going to use it much more anyway. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so why even why even mention it? And they didn't want to say that Discovery used that to win the war, because now all the enemies are going to be like, oh, what's a sport drive? Yeah. Like, so I don't think it was, like, general knowledge ever, like, to begin with. It was just, it was more like, just keep it top secret, but we can't develop it anymore. I see. That, that was my take from it. And I think Discovery is still part of the war effort. That's why, you know, they, they all got medals of honor at the end of the first season. Like we saw, she gave her big speech, yada, yada. I just think they're maintaining that everyone was killed on Discovery. Mm-hmm. It blew up. Mm-hmm. And so if that's the case, now all their families are having to struggle with this. Oh, yeah. Except, except Serana, she was there, except... Spock's and Michael's parents because like they said they're diplomatically immune mm-hmm. and they wouldn't blab about it anyway. Right. So yeah, I think those goodbye letters went out mm-hmm. and that's the last that truly that's that's it. Right. So I really didn't have a problem with I don't think that it was like they're never gonna talk about discovery again. It's just they can't like the subject should just die because they're dead. Right. You know, like we don't say what, what made the ship special. Cause that could tip off all this research. You know, maybe they have a memorial for, for this crew, but that's it. And then with the passage of time, everyone forgets about it. Right. I didn't have a problem with that. I think it wrapped that part wrapped up nicely. Okay. So Yeah. It's the best they could do without doing some timeline reset, which yeah. would have pissed me off even more. Right. Because th- there goes the emotional stakes of this whole season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so at least we don't have that. We were worried that they were going to reset the events. Yeah, but this is the next best thing and probably only other thing that they could have done. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Do you have any other dislikes? <sighs> I- <laughs> No, 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 I don't. I really wanted to like this episode, and I think I do if I just sit back and watch it. Yes. It's it's a very exciting and dramatic moments. But again, when you start to think about it and in the context of the overall season, and we have probably the most unanswered questions, we shouldn't have this many unanswered questions mm-hmm. at the end of a season. Yeah. So let's just get into that, that part. 
Yeah, so we kind of talked about these nanites already. They're in the sport. I'm right? sick of these dumb ne- nanites. Huh? I, th- I think control was dumb. Yeah. Oh, no, it, it was dumb. Yeah. The writers really need to help me understand what version of control took over Leland. Is it a possible future control or the present day control? I really have no clue. Yeah. If it's from a possible future, would that mean the nanites vanish <laughs> once they were successful? I I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> this time travel stuff gives me a headache. Yeah, especially in Discovery anyway. Yeah. How exactly are they going to have a Section 31 series with Giorgio if she's stuck in the future with Discovery? Which means somehow she comes back. Yeah. So at Spoiler le- alert. <laughs> <laughs> so at least What if she got what if she got the hell out of there on the last shuttle? Oh. Before they went into the future, she was like, "F this." <laughs> yeah, maybe. Although I feel like she would want to stay with Michael to protect her. <sighs> I don't God. The relationship between them two is weird. If anything, if she goes with them, it shows that Michael brings people back to the present somehow. But again, then that negates the big secrecy pact. That's true. Maybe Giorgio steals the suit, reprograms it. Wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. We have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea. We'll probably won't see any other Star Trek race that we know about ever again. So, <laughs> well, this the Picard series. There's hope. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't <laughs> get up. <laughs> and we. I'm just. I'm not. I'm not confident right now. I think this is my biggest gripe, and it, it definitely shows when you look at the history of the season. There was that big writer's room shakeup early on, Mm -hmm. like halfway through this show. And it definitely shows. I agree. And why I'm more excited about season three, like, don't get me wrong. I love season two. Overall, season two was great with the overall story. Like, I like how things were wrapped up. I don't like how there was like these little incongruencies. Like, here's the thing. Who sent the first signal that let them know about the signals? Yeah, does she do it in the future once they get there? Or was that like an echo of all of her efforts? Mm, Interesting. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. But somehow there's something that sparks off this whole thing to begin with. So I, I definitely like this season a little more than season one. Okay. Because of Anson Mount and (laughs) Ethan Peck have saved this show, literally. Yes. I love the Enterprise. I I just, I loved everything about this season in terms of the relationships. The characters became a lot stronger. All these bridge characters, Mm -hmm. they're fully becoming this amazing crew. They, They already are. Yeah. So I'm excited more for season three because... Now all the behind-the-scenes writer's room drama is done. Mm-hmm. They have this Michelle Paradise who still loves Trek, but now she's fully into it. And her interview is great. If you guys look at Trek Core, read her interview. There's a lot of insight there as to you know how they crafted the back half of the season. And I think it works. Like, I think without them doing this extra part two episode, I think I would have been 
way more dissatisfied if questions weren't answered because it very much like tied it in a bow. You got all your canon stuff out of the way to appease the haters and to fit it with more of the canonical events. And as, as much as I dislike the comment of, oh, well, now we're free of canon, it does open up possibilities for a season we as longtime Star Trek fans have no idea what is going to happen. Mm-hmm. We have no idea because we can't say, oh, well, in 10 years from now, it's uh, Kirkin's back. We have no idea. We have no point of reference right. for this p- part of the future. Yeah. We don't know what species are dominant. We don't know what galactic events have happened in 950 years, at least the last 500 of those years. Mm -hmm. We don't know what happened to the Federation. Is there still a Federation? How much different does that look? So it's exciting because the glimpses of the future that we have seen throughout Canon can hopefully inform us. But at the same time, they've said that they're not interested in that. So I, I, I'm excited for season three in terms of, okay, then for real, show us something new. Mm-hmm. Because what is exciting to me is that, have, have you ever watched Farscape? I've caught parts of shows. I haven't sat down and actually watched it. You should. I think you'd really like it. Okay. You know, that deals with a human that's out of his element in a completely different part of the galaxy. And I think I mentioned this a few episodes ago. Now they're in the USS Bozeman situation. Yeah. We're seeing a crew. We're experiencing their feelings and emotions for them being out of time. Right. And I think that's exciting because we, as the audience are going to be experiencing these things with the crew Mm -hmm. of discovery. Right. So I really hope that they don't pull any punches and fully embrace this future because that's what they wanted to do, apparently. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Where is the uh, temporal Cold War? Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, the reason why I don't like Star Trek doing time travel stories <laughs> yep. is because they, they've set these things up where they have... They have agencies that police this yeah, stuff. exactly. Temporal investigations. They have in the 29th century, we Federation literally has time ships. Yeah. That are supposed to like go and correct this type of stuff. But here's the thing. What if discovery was meant to go into the future? Since, yeah, since they can't, no one can talk about it. No, not a lot of people knew about the spore drive. They eliminated control. So this never happens again. Maybe discovery needs to be stuck in the future. But that's the thing that that asked the whole thing about Calypso. So did the crew just die off? Did they go back? Like what? So I think season three will kind of answer that last short track. Mm-hmm. But aren't we supposed to get more short tracks? We are animated, I think. Oh, God. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're animated. I have to double check that. I believe they're going to okay. be animated short tracks. Well, we already talked about my final question. Why didn't they put the Sphere Data in Burnham's suit and just send her into the, fu- into the future with it? Obviously, because they wanted to reset and 
do a reboot of the series. <sighs> but yeah. So, what else? <laughs> what else? <laughs> so, how is Saru's sister able to get his goodbye letter if Control is blocking all subspace communications? So, did Tyler just start broadcasting once he left the ship? But, I don't know, that doesn't make sense either. Yeah. It doesn't. So are Discovery's transporters able to transport across vast distances? Because how else would no one know about Poe or Zahia? Or how about Ash getting reinforcements so fast? Mm. Literally, where did he transport to at the end of part one? And, you know, we can speculate, oh, he just hopped on the Enterprise and went on a shuttle. But they never showed us that. He just showed up like, yo, I got the Klingons from a sector away somehow Mm -hmm. in 20 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. How did this first seven signal burst happen that kicked off the whole hunt for them? Yeah, that's we don't know. That's where that should have been the first jump that she made, right? Should have been, but it wasn't. Yeah. So I can only theorize that maybe it's some kind of echo when all seven signals were made, which could have only happened once she did the seventh signal to alert Spock. Mm-hmm. So I think once all those points were locked, maybe there was some kind of like time echo that went back in time and kick this whole thing off possibly all right so chancellor laurel killed the torchbearer at least in the eyes of the klingons yet there he is on the bridge of her ship giving orders are klingons okay with being completely lied to was he just on her ship only and that's her flagship and they're sworn to secrecy i don't know Mm. they didn't have time to go into it yeah he should have left in part one early on in the episode Right. To give them enough time for this to make sense. But no, you got to have the emotional goodbye. Yeah. She served his head on a freaking platter to the whole Klingon race. Like, hi, he's de- that guy. He's dead. And she only did that to erase any fears about the Federation. Yeah. Yet here they are helping the Federation. Right. And she was so adamant when they were at Borth to have him not transport down to keep the illusion that he was dead. Yep. So did he just contact her privately and sa- and she was like, all right, you can, you can go on the ship. But he's like all like back in Klingon mode, like, yeah, how dare you chancellor? Right. Yeah. She quote unquote killed you to maintain the thing that you're not. Uh, it just, that really ticked me off. Uh, what was cool though, was makeup artist, Glenn Hetrick being on a cameo. Oh, really? In full Klingon makeup. So the Klingon that tells her like, oh, yeah, whatever. And he had that that crazy hair. Oh, yes. That's Glenn Hetrick. Okay. I really dug that hair. And he's in the credits. So it's like Glenn Hetrick. And his that Klingon's name is Cavort, which is named after the Cavort class of Klingon cruisers. Oh, okay. That's cool. So he made a cameo and people were joking like, did he put on his own makeup? (laughs) But yeah, that's him. Nice. That's cool. Yeah, I found that out through Enterprise Extra on on Twitter. Uh, He noted that in the credits. And sure enough, I paused the credits. I'm like, oh my God, there he is. That's so cool. uh, You know what? Speaking about credits, I was hoping for a post scene to show something about like the discovery in the future to give us a hint of what was going to happen next season. Yeah. All right. That that was it for me. (laughs) All right, so overall score. 
so I originally rated as we both <laughs> sigh longingly. <laughs> I originally rated this as a full commander. Subsequent reviewings and uh, <laughs> our discussion, I brought it down. I enjoyed it enough on its own. If you don't think about all that's wrong <laughs> with the episode, right? It's right, right. a really good episode. It's incredible. I was like I said, I was on the edge of my seat. Yeah. I, so I, I'm giving it a lieutenant commander, two and a half pips, just because if you just look at this episode on its own, it's great. I, I did have that same score, but then I, I lowered it just because of how much we were talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I I hyped myself down. Yeah. But no, I, I agree with you. In the moment, I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was it was great. It was emotional. It was fantastic in terms of the the emotional impact, the characters. It wrapped up all those plot points and everything came full circle. That was great. But then you have these questions like, okay, but where did the beam come from that disabled all the Ba'ul ships? Mm. But she didn't do that. She's just like looking at Saru. And, and that's the thing. It's like... Was she just observing these events or were we just getting like a annotated notes version? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. if you watch that episode, the red angel like does that EMP that disables all of the Baul stuff. Right. So uh, see, I'm like, oh, okay, Lieutenant two pips. I'm done. <laughs> Stop talking before you lower it, lower it even more. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, so you added this next section. Yes. So I reviewed all the show notes except a couple because I wasn't on those episodes. So I don't know what what you guys were talking about on those episodes. But episode 95, uh, Mr. Eric Dewey predicted that Michael would become the Red Angel. Uh-huh. In episode 98, I predicted that Poe would power the time crystal through recrystallization. Nice. Episode 99, you said Tyler is going to do something big. And he did because he brought the biggest Klingon ship ever. <laughs> To the battle. Indeed. I think you th- you thought that he was going to sacrifice himself yeah, in some might way. might have been better, but that's okay. Yeah. And then I said, hey, Spock doesn't go into the future, but the rest of the crew does and stays there. Season three is the aftermath. But that's kind of like a little bit predictable because yeah. Spock had to. Oh, wait. My biggest like of all time <laughs> yeah. was the payoff of Spock on the bridge, mm. in his uniform, cleanly shaved, and with the Vulcan haircut. I as su- I was like, I was squealing. I was squealing when I first watched this episode. And he comes out on the bridge. I'm like, oh my God. He, uh, he shaved the oh my God. So I'm guessing you didn't see the leaked images of him in his uniform shaven. No, I avoided all spoilers. Yeah. F that. I, it wasn't intentional. But I'm in a a couple of Facebook groups, and I saw the image. So I wasn't really surprised by it. I figured it was coming this episode. The funniest thing is, Ashley thought it was a different actor. My wife thought it was a different actor playing Spock. She was like, that doesn't look like him. Oh my god. No, that's him. Yeah, that's that's what I was saying. (laughs) She was adamant. That's... That is how much shaving a beard changes someone. It wasn't just that. I think it was also the haircut. It's the hair. It's the haircut. Yeah. And, but she was also like, oh, he's wearing so much makeup. I'm like, well, Leonard Neatboy wore a lot of makeup as well. Uh, he did. So. It, that was such a payoff. 
that whole final five minutes of discovery was incredible. Yeah. And number one's reaction. Oh, another thing I liked, Mm -hmm. they used her name. Pike briefly mentions her name when she's in the torpedo room. Oh, I missed her name is Una. And that's from the the novels. Yeah. So I've saw that posted so many places, but I actually, I didn't, noticed that in the episode i probably okay it's 41 minutes in and when it's when she's saying about the hail mary pass okay and pike says get up here you have the con una Mm. you really have to listen for it but the producer did confirm it's there the only thing is the closed captioning did not pick that up so he says, you have the con Una. Okay. I have a real issue with the closed captioning because it's so out of sync with what's happening. Oh, it is. I had to turn it off. CBS All Access, I thought that was just a problem on my end. No, it's CBS not. All Access needs to fix their closed captioning because the timing is like two seconds in the future. And usually I have the closed captioning on just so I can pick out like mm-hmm. proper spellings of names and things because yep. I'm a dork. <laughs> but... It was getting too distracting in the episode where in the middle of my first watch with Teresa, I had to switch it off because I'm like, it's like spoiling things. Yeah. Yeah. Fix that CBS. Please do. (sighs) So predictions for season three. Uh, Voyager part two. Yeah. That's what I don't want. (laughs) 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 I'm not a big fan of Voyager. So this is, this is what I want to happen. Okay. not going to happen. This is what I want. I believe the announcements that Anson Mount and Rebecca Romaine were leaving after the season were to throw us off. We will see the Enterprise again in season three with episodes spending time in both the 23rd century and in the future. Mm-hmm. I feel that Alex Kurtzman likes to have these twists in stories that end up being figured out by the audience ahead of time. We have Voke and Tyler in season one and Harrison and Khan in into darkness Mm -hmm. and i would love a show whether it be discovery or a pike show that follows the enterprise crew up until kirk takes command Mm. what i think we'll get is star trek (laughs) the search for dr burnham oh god who cares (laughs) (laughs) i think that's going to be a big part of it i think dr burnham is not but here's the thing they change the future Mm, yeah. So why they're gonna go to a future that's still barren and? I hope not. No. Yeah. I hope not either. I hope when Doctor Burnham got sucked through the wormhole, she came out the other side to a renewed future. Mm. Because if if Discovery goes into the future and it's the same one that Doctor Burnham is in, what the hell was the point of everything? Yeah. Things seemed a little barren in the Calypso episode something messed up happens something and i guess we'll see in season three so that was uh quite an adventure we had some good times and some not so good times i look forward to season three and the short treks and the picard series and i guess section 31 in whatever form it takes yeah so until next time we will have (laughs) A special 100th episode, you know, quote-unquote 100th. Well, numbered. Numbered, yes. I, th- I think we've already passed that a long time ago. Indeed. 
with with you know our supplementals and and all that stuff but no this is our true number 100 episode that that will be upcoming so you know i'm really glad that things worked out where we could time this right Mm-hmm. and have discovery be i'm glad they named it part two so we could because this would have been technically the 100th episode right yes <laughs> but i i think we wanted to do something different for episode 100 and not just have it be an episode review right so we'll have something good for you guys and uh we'll figure it out we'll figure it out mr berry if we were to look for you on the internet, how would we do so? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at TrekkieB47. You can also check out my other podcast on the Four Eyed Radio Network, the Ranger Command Power Hour. It's a Power Rangers podcast. And you know what? Why don't you rate this podcast? Get some, give us some ratings on Apple iTunes. Yes. That would really help us out. It would. And you know, leave a review. Let us know how we're doing. I think we're pretty good at uh, receiving all kinds of feedback. So yeah. let us know. Let us know. You can also reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram at Nova Charter. You can reach out to this podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Pod. Live long and prosper. Peace and long life. And don't eat any mushrooms. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Starfleet Escape podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You can find us on the web at sfxscapepod.com, on Twitter and Instagram at sfxscapepod, and on Facebook.com slash sfxscapepod.